Hello, it's the Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, David Faulkner from Real IQ. Uh, we're in the middle of winter here in New Zealand. Uh, we've got a raft of legislation changes which are going to take effect uh, almost imminently now with the healthy home standards which have been introduced. And we've also got all the insulation deadlines which are now upon us. And by the time many of you would have seen this or listened to that, uh, listen to this podcast, the uh, insulation deadline would have passed and it's now compulsory to have your rental properties insulated. And today with me, we have a a, a very special guest, somebody who hasn't actually worked in property management, but he has got one of the most amazing products uh, that I've seen that could be a game changer and gives you great insight into uh, housing in New Zealand and how it can evolve, maybe not just New Zealand, but globally as well. Uh, Brendan Van Blerk, he is the CEO of Tether. Brendan, it's great for you to join us. Thanks a lot for coming along to the show. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, thank you, audience, uh, for listening to my story. This is uh, an absolute pleasure. Your reputation precedes you, my friend. Oh, that's okay. That's <laughs> okay. No, thank you. Stop, stop. So as you can probably tell from uh, your accent, you're not from... Uh, like myself, you're not from New Zealand, but this has become your home. Yes. Um, where are you from? I moved to New Zealand eight years ago, yeah. originally from South Africa. Right. Um, followed a woman yes. to, to get you. We're no longer together. Yeah. <laughs> Married a new, better one, right. which is good. And now we've um, we've set up a, a life here in Auckland, um, living at Eden Terrace. Yeah. And we've uh, been through multiple different career paths. Been Came here as a systems engineer right. under a skilled migrants visa. And um, yeah, that's sort of the rest of history. My whole family's here, if you want mm-hmm. to know more about that. So my mom and my dad immigrated here a couple of years ago. Yeah. Both my sisters are married to Kiwis as well. Um, they've been living here for uh, 15 years and 11 years. Yeah. Sort of, so whole families here in New Zealand. And how does it compare, like, you know, housing and whatever to, to South Africa? What about in South Africa? Um, born in East London. Right. Moved to Cape Town when I was three. So that's on the coast, isn't it? That's on the coastline. Yeah. And yeah. then um, moved to Johannesburg when I was 13 and lived to lived in Johannesburg until I was 27. So Johannesburg, yeah. that will... That's in the middle. That's in the middle and it's yeah. quite high up, isn't it? You really high up. So, so it'll we'll get cold? Yep, we're 1,600 metres above sea level in really? Johannesburg, yeah. yeah. It's quite a strange weather because it's got a high level, a high pressure zone that basically moves up and down yeah so you end up having incredibly dry winters really really cold but still still as yeah. and then summers you have these massive cumulo numbers clouds that grow up and uh, you end up with big thunderstorms during the afternoon yeah. and then it clears off during the day so right. amazing weather pattern some of the best weather in the world just not yeah. very good from a climate so how does that how does that compare like you know because obviously you mean um, the weather has a major impact on, mm. on housing. Yeah, you know, in New Zealand, the conditions. How have you found housing in New Zealand from moving from South Africa, coming to, to you know, not yeah. quite halfway around the world, mm. but coming to uh, New Zealand? Well, the, the quality of the housing in New Zealand is terrible yeah. compared to South Africa, and it's p- p- partly got to do with the cost of building houses. So, I'd never seen a wooden house until I moved to New Zealand. Mm. Everything in South Africa is built out of brick, double brick, basically. Um, Labor's really cheap. You can build Mm. a house for next to nothing. I mean, if you you spent a million dollars on a house in South Africa, you would have a mansion, you know, probably on 600 square meters with maybe a 350 square meter house, maybe double story, that type of thing. So, you know, 10 million rand or a million dollars, you would get a mansion and it would be built 
beautifully, absolutely. It was you know, probably travertine tiles, floors, you know, heat pumps in every room, maybe ensuite bathroom in every single room as well. Um, so, you know, coming to New Zealand was a, was a shock to yeah. me. Not, first of all, I moved into, um, into a spare bedroom of my, my sister was renting a property in, uh, in Mount Eden, on Eden Terrace Road, something like that. Shackleton Road, Shackleton Road yeah. was. And uh, it was a double story house and I remember my first evening we arrived at 12, 12 p.m. at night and we drove up and the first thing I noticed was there was no big walls yeah. and there was no electric fences. I go, shit, this is, <laughs> this is yeah. what's going on over here. Go through the front door, the front door was left open, which is a security yeah. thing. Went into, into, this, um, into this room and it was probably about 1.5, I don't know, maybe two meters mm -hmm. wide with a little single bed in the corner. And I, I remember sitting on my bed going, what the bloody hell have I done? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was cold and, and, and really, really small. I never yeah. lived in such a small space before. Yeah. Um, and I, I found it fascinating. I mean, the housing in New Zealand is like nothing I've seen in the world, right? I mean, look, when I came here originally, 20 odd years ago now, I got to play rugby down in, in, in Southland. And mm. I, I tell people when I go around talking, said, look, I've, and this is coming from the northwest of mm. England, which isn't exactly the tropics. Mm. Um, I've never been so cold yeah. in my life in the housing you were literally scraping the ice off the inside of the windows and that was my initiation into New Zealand housing yeah. so um, I can tell you now if you think Auckland can be cold mm. or whatever you go down the deep south and this leads us really on to you know the product that you, you've got yeah. and, and what we've seen with this um, all this changing legislation mm. I mean Tether what what is Tether tell, tell us a little bit about your business so I'll, I'll tell you about the how it started which will give you it's it's progressed since then we've been around for about two years right since since the inception of the idea but the idea was for Tether was actually born out of a requirement to understand whether a rating system has been successful mm -hmm. so we were look, working at with with Homestar at that stage and other rating tools like Lead and Bream which are usually based on as-built conditions of a house right so when you build a home it's built to perform to a particular standard and the building scientists and the architects know what that standard is because of the R values in the walls because of the LED lights that they put in all that type of stuff and you pay for that level of performance but what they don't know is how does that house actually perform once you put people into the home yeah. because people do things to houses and that can't be accounted for with building science right that, that, that's the other side of the equation that they've never been able to manage mm -hmm. and so I was talking to a group of architects passive house scientists and building scientists and they said wouldn't it be great if you if we had a piece of technology that didn't rely on the occupant's utilities, so it was completely a standalone system, didn't, mm -hmm. didn't use the house's Wi-Fi because those Wi-Fi systems are flaky and they can be switched off and the passwords can be changed yep. and the data can be lost, didn't rely on the, on the house's electricity because you don't want someone to plug, unplug your sensor yep. because they yep. want to charge their cell phone. So it was a completely standalone system that could monitor how that home performed from a healthiness and environmental quality perspective in real time for time, you know, years, so that they can understand whether what they're building is absolutely up to scratch and how the occupants affect that environmental quality so you can change their behavioral patterns to do it better. So Nothing so you, existed. So you've got a device, mm. you know, that you can, what, you put in a property and it just, what, yeah, we've it, got, it reads what's happening in the house? Correct. Well, when we started, we've actually got a number of devices and I'll go into the different product stack, but our original device is what we call the EnviroQ, which stands for environmental quality. Right. And what EnviroQ monitors is temperature, 
relative humidity, which makes up this thing called thermal comfort, mm -hmm. carbon dioxide, which is used to understand ventilation within a space, because it's really important. You want to know how well ventilated it is, Healthy Homes Guarantee yeah. Act, yeah, passive yeah. ventilation. Ambient light, yeah. so you want to know whether there's sufficient light in a room if people are just you know the curtains are always closed because mold and mildew so when you say ambient light what does that mean like ambient just natural so natural, natural daylight so you, you wouldn't want to put the sensor where there's direct sunlight because it'll give you an artificial um, reading it'll yeah. be really really bright but if you put the the, um, the sensor in a space that never gets direct sunlight you'll be able to work out what the light curve is over time oh, and nice. how bright that room is yes. which leads to there's a whole bunch of research around mental health and bright rooms and if you're in a dark dingy place and the light is always below a particular lux level which yeah. is how you measure light it feels terrible not only that it also exacerbates mold and mildew growth and, and that type of stuff Right. We also do atmospheric pressure and what atmospheric pressure is used is to work out airflow through through different parts of the building that can also be used uh, we'll get into some algorithms and stuff you know but yeah, it can yeah. be used to work out whether there's uh, sufficient air changes in a room yeah. and whether you can you can then predict whether mold will grow inside a wall or externally based on thermal comfort and atmospheric pressure it's quite interesting. Um, we also do some other things. So this is quite things. an in-depth science to all of this, isn't it? I mean, like, mm. can we touch on the CO2? I mean, yeah. what's the importance of the CO2? Because a lot of people go, it measures CO2. Well, so what? What, what does that mean? What does that mean? So CO2 is basically just an indicator of adequate ventilation. Because human beings breathe out carbon dioxide, when you're in a room and the door's closed, you're expelling carbon dioxide. So when you sleep, you're breathing out carbon dioxide. If there's, no, if there's no ventilation in that room, that carbon dioxide level builds up. There's less oxygen in the room, which makes you tired, lethargic. And does this build up condensation on the windows? Is that where you get the weeping windows? That's or? not condensation. So right. yes, ventilation can reduce condensation, but condensation is temperature and relative humidity. Right. But more importantly, there's, a, there's a, an equation that's formed out of temperature and humidity called dew point temperature. Right. And what dew point temperature is? Dew, point, yeah, dew yeah. point temperature is the temperature at which water condenses. Right. right. So what you can do is you can use external observed temperatures yep. and internal dew point temperatures to work out when condensation will form on surfaces. How that works is you say, let's just say the internal dew point temperature is 10 degrees Celsius. So you know that at 10 degrees Celsius, water will condense. Get, yeah. If the outside temperature is also 10 degrees Celsius, not only do you know you have no insulation in your walls because your outside temperature is now matching some internal dew point temperatures, but you will now know that there's a very, very good chance that condensation will form on those windows. Right. Right, so there's the science here. So you just, as long as you can match external observed temperature and internal dew point temperature within a range, condensation will form. It's just basic science. And if you can monitor that in real time, you can then give alerts and warnings around when that will happen. And so you can then get the occupant to raise the temperature, decrease the relative humidity, or, or um, equal it. It's fascinating. Really fascinating. And, and so, you know, when we're talking to you and you're saying about the CO2 and humans exhale CO2, mm. this must be a tool you can use to monitor overcrowding of properties as well. It, it is, but the, the thing about the whole, I have had people come to me and say, well, what about overcrowding, right? Because you can pick up overcrowding, but 
there is no way to say how many people. No. There's no way to say that it is overcrowding. All you can say is that it's a non-ventilated room. Right. With, with more investigation, sure, you can ascertain whether it is overcrowding or just someone who's been breathing really heavily at night with every single door closed and yeah. absolutely no ventilation. So there is no way through carbon dioxide to say this is overcrowding. It requires more intervention. So this is just data which is being transmitted. It's just data. That, that you're being able to analyze Correct. and you're able to see that not just how the house is performing, but yeah. how the occupants yeah are looking after the property Correct. or how they're living in the property. So, I mean, so this is where, where Tether's value proposition really lies. I mean, so we've we've built a range of different sensors. Yeah. We've got the EnviroCube, we've also got ones that do electricity and water leaks and all that kind of stuff. But, but from an environmental quality perspective, all it does is collect environmental quality yeah. data. Our unique value proposition is, is how we uh, assess that information and draw valuable insights out of it because data is data is data yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I, I mean you know again we're going uh, this is what's going to happen mm. we're going to start going to see tenants saying at some point we're going to see it that the you're going to get some cleared up tenants who are going to mm. go i'm going to have a crack at the property manager or mm. i'm going to have a crack at the landlord mm. say this house is just we're, we're me measuring this temperature mm. on this is this is what's going on mm. um an argument could be is that the landlords install things mm. and the tenants just not using them. Yeah. So what can what's your solutions for things such as that? So I mean and this is with the, with the Healthy Homes Guarantee Act, as you know, they define what type of heating you require for what type of space. Yeah. Right? We, we had a discussion about this earlier. And whether if you're in alignment with that, the, the tenant has got, I don't think, has a leg to stand on because you know, I, I, I fit all the regulatory, yeah, right. But what you can do with monitoring is you can say, Well, I can understand, I can see how that mm. home is being heated and cooled, you can see what it actually looks like, you can see whether the insulation in those walls are doing or in the ceiling is doing its job using external observed temperatures and internal temperatures. It's just the data can be interpreted in multiple different ways. Mm. We've got to be careful here, right? Because when it comes to the landlord utilizing this information and the occupant utilizing this information, there's this, this concept which we talk about, this value exchange between um, what the tenant wants and what the, what the landlord wants. The landlord wants an individual that moves into the house, pays rent on time, looks yep. after their property, um, and makes, makes sure that they're running it in the way that they would, in the yeah. most efficient possible way. The tenant wants to make sure that they live in a home that suit, that's fit for purpose, yep. that keeps them warm, that keeps them dry, that possibly is near a school that they're looking for. They've got all these, these softer values that they're looking for. There's a transaction there. There's, a, there's an equation there. And when things become unstuck is when the landlord wants to try and, excuse my French, screw the, the, yep. the tenant for more rent with, you know, unjustifiably, or wants to try and, you know, there might be a little bit over the top and want to spy on them or make sure that everything's yeah, yeah. you know running the way that they would even though the, the the tenant may be perfectly you know amazing tenant pays yeah. the rent on time looks after the property on the, on the other side of the equation the tenant may want to try and screw the landlord yeah. and go well you know I, i'm trying to get you know four thousand dollars from the tenancy tribunal or i want to try and you know get heat pumps in every single one of my rooms um those are the bad players in the market but our system we can provide data to try and balance that equation, mm -hmm. but we've got to be very careful that we don't become big brother in, yeah. in a sense. What we're trying to do is create a solution that provides good behavior on both sides of the equation. Mm. We want to give the, t the, the landlord the ability to understand whether their property is performing to the standard that they 
that they have been told it can perform to. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that the occupants are educated enough so that they know how to run that property So, so the, the benefits of the landlord, they can mm-hmm. see the, the, the temperature, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening in that property all the time. Mm-hmm. They can see a build-up of CO2 if mm-hmm. necessary. You yeah. can see this, the, the, the dew point temperature. Yeah. All condensation. that the condensation, yeah. they can monitor that. How yeah. do, how do they see it? How, how do they monitor that? Are they having to log on to something? Yeah, so, so, so t- basically we've created three basic interfaces to our application. So we have a, um, a portal, and the portal is for large-scale assessment across tens or hundreds of thousands of properties yeah. simultaneously. And the idea around the portal is to try and work out what the highest high-risk and low-risk properties are within a portfolio. So the idea around the portal is to go, well, how do I know which properties to maintain? Where do I spend my dollar next? Because the idea is not to try and screw the tenant, it's to try and make my asset the best possible yeah, asset yeah. it can be. So when you see large amounts of CO2 build up in um, at the lounge, for example, you may go as a landlord, I need to make sure that I put more ventilation in that lounge mm. because the CO2 buildup is not good. Either that or I need to ensure that the occupant is ventilating it correctly, opening windows or yeah. making sure that ventilation is correct. The occupant side of things is to complete, so you've got the portal, which is for the, the landlord's perspective, on the property portfolio management company's perspective, and then we have a tenant application. That tenant application is for the occupant's home only. It's It doesn't, nobody has to sign in with the username and password. The application is linked to that home. Mm. And so that home has a unique access code that you can give to every single occupant within that house. So we don't collect any information about who's actually living in that house. It's just, so the tenants can see how it's performing. Correct. The landlords can see how it's performing and you've just got data. And I've just got data. Because what we see all the time is that the tenant will say, oh, the property's moldy, the landlord, Mm. oh, well, it's it's how you're living in it. Mm. And it's he said, she said, without any clear evidence. And that's where you get the disputes with what you've got as a solution which mm. says, well, here's, here's the facts. Yeah, absolutely. Then you can dig, dig down deeper and investigate, is it the, is it the, is it the characteristics of the yeah. property? Yeah. Like for example, where we are today with, with uh, Goodwins, I mean, they've got a property that they're managing out in Titarangi and they've mm. got a problem with water uh, coming down. This, they've got a property, it's surrounded by trees, mm. it's lower than the ground level, it's not getting any sunlight. Mm. Now, from hearing this, I'm going, well, this is the characteristics of the property. Mm. Um, I mean, does Tether come up with, or the information you've got will help you come up with solutions? Absolutely, it will. Now, you said you've got other um, devices as mm. well that m- measure power and moisture. Yeah, you know? yeah. so we've got, we've got the PowerQ, which stands for power quality. Yeah. The PowerQ is, is basically a um, power monitor that goes into your distribution board and then links across your total incoming power. We yeah. can do multiple circuits if you want. So you can do, you know, if you just want to do total incoming, which is the vast majority of yeah. our customers, or if you want to do your heat pump and you want to do your total incoming and you want to do, you know, your hot water cylinder so you can understand which devices are taking the most amount of electricity. Because this is something we just, I mean, I've, it's always baffled me this, Brendan, because in all these houses, with no one, even at home, I'm at home and the kids are leaving the lights on and you're going, oh, turn the lights off, it's costing money. <laughs> but you don't know actually how much money it's costing. Exactly. Wouldn't it be great if you've got a device there and I say to the kids, say, look, Ella, you've just cost us $5 because you left the lights on all night. Exactly. And this is what the power queue does. Is, right. is we, we don't only tell you how healthy your home is, we tell you how much it costs to make it that healthy. Yeah. And so we're doing some stuff with brands, the Building Research Association of New Zealand right now, right. under a study called HEAP, which is the Heat Efficiency Program. Yeah. So the idea around brands is to study throughout the winter months what the average New Zealander pays to keep their homes warm. 
Right. Right. So, and it's done across a range of different houses, anything from the high performing homes to the really terrible, terrible homes. So you can get some real data around, well, this is how, for how much we're heating our homes to, and this is how much electricity it's taking to do it. Because you can only make smart decisions when you know the whole spectrum, right? I mean, this fits in perfectly with work. I mean, our government wants to take us really mm. with better, um, you know, facilities around climate change mm. and, and reducing carbon Absolutely. emissions and, and having healthier houses, which are less damaging on on the environment. I mean, mm. it sounds like to me that you've got a, a product there, which is you know. It's yeah. a perfect solution for, for where we're heading with housing. Yeah, I mean, we, you, you've touched you've touched on our future vision, right? So, even though we've we're a team of embedded electronics engineers and software developers, this is what we do, right? Yeah. We've developed a really unique device that does stuff. We we that's not the future of our business. What mm. we've done is we've created a platform that allows multiple different data inputs, whether they're from our devices or not. We've got no problem partnering with yeah. other data streams, right? Where we see value is the analysis of all that data that that, that makes value for different touch points. So we're talking about insurers, we're talking about property managers, yeah. talking about tenants, we're talking about landlords, we're talking about uh, medical insurance, or, you know, so anybody who has needs this information. So, so, so if you've got enough of these devices in, in, in all these mm. houses around New Zealand, and even with like, I, I mean, I don't know, with 5G capabilities, mm. which actually learns mm. as data's coming through, yeah. you know, we can get it to a position where you, you're just almost saying, right, this is how this house is going to perform. This is what we need to get it to perform better. Absolutely. This is going to reduce the cost to the tenants with power bills and whatever. This is mm. going to reduce the cost to landlords on preventative maintenance. Mm. Ab absolutely. I mean, and this is why... I mean, we think that with the Healthy Homes Guarantee Act, we think that they've done the wrong job, right? right. Because all they've done is give a shopping list of, of things that you need to do. We know from our building scientists, it's impossible. From the 18 degrees Celsius, yeah. bullshit. It's, it's, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. The building science just doesn't stack up. So, you know, you've got to be very careful about just issuing shopping lists to people in terms of uh, to try and have this blanket answer to healthy homes. It should have been done in a different way. It should have been around being able to achieve um, a different type of level, not just, you know, 18 degrees Celsius and you need to have a, a fixed heater to achieve that. Because... Let me get this right. So mm. we've, we've passed this legislation. Mm. Um, so we could have a house which achieves 18 degrees Celsius, mm. but the the moisture and the condensation... Uh, uh, it's uh, too uh, tight. Uh, uh, right. We've got examples of it right now that we've been testing where you have... with Everybody's trying to tighten everything up, put so, so much insulation in the walls, and now you've got problems with ventilation, and you're getting all the moisture and carcinogens and stuff, it's got, got nowhere to go. So it's creating, it's, it's going to be the next biggest crisis. It's all, I, 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 I swear, it's crazy. When you talk to the building scientists about it, they're going, the houses are becoming so tight now that there's no adequate ventilation. So you're ending up with all this damage, this water damage is going to happen internally. Yeah. It's basically going to rot from the inside out. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, is, so is this a case of politicians trying to tell yeah. the it's, people who are in the industry, this is what you need to do? Correct. And dare to say it, not listening? Yeah. Yeah. When has ever politics <laughs> done the right thing? Well, <laughs> I mean, the intentions are good. The intentions are really good, and I must give them that. They've, yeah. actually, they've done a great thing by highlighting how terrible our housing is. Yeah. But in turn, they've, done, they've executed poorly on the intention. I right. think I think the intention was great, and I'm really happy that something's been done about yeah, it. Yeah. 
but I think the ultimately the outcome of, of these laws that they're putting in place may create a lot of damage. Yeah. A different type of damage. Yeah. yeah. Instead of consulting the experts. It's the know. rule of unforeseen consequences, which happens a lot, hmm. uh, particularly in politics, where you'll get people who have an ideology. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll throw out an idea. They'll say, right, we're going to do this, and then. There'll be knock-on effects elsewhere, which you know has sometimes causes the complete opposite. Absolutely. Of of what they were going to achieve. Mm. Um, You talked about insurance before. Yeah. I mean, what have you been doing with insurance companies? So we've been looking at um, new ways to insure. Right. So if you know anything about insurance, the, the insurance market's become really, really competitive. Right. It's all about this risk mitigation type stuff where. Um, Getting innovative products is, is really, really difficult for insurance companies. They become risk averse themselves. Yeah. And what you're starting to see is some innovative insurance businesses, specifically overseas, creating what you call shared value models, where it's no longer about shared value sh- models. Shared share, right. va- share value yeah, models. Yeah, and what yeah. that means is it takes it away from risk mitigation and more around risk avoidance. And what I mean by that, yeah. right, is you're no longer the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. You're yeah, preventing. You're preventing the stuff in the first place. I'll give you an example, right? So there's a company called um, Vitality. Right. Vitality Insurance is quite a big Fair global them. brand. They've Fair done them. really yeah. well in South Africa and the UK and they've yeah. up. They haven't done so well in, in Australia, but they're trying to fix that. And the idea around Vitality is by creating um, individualized insurance schemes based on your specific risk profile. Mm-hmm. And they do that with IoT connected devices. So an example would be they've got a partnership with Apple. They'll give you a free Apple Watch, right. which costs a lot of money. You've got one, yeah. so you know. Yeah. But in return, they want your health data. Yeah. They want to know how many steps you've done and they want to know what your heart rate is. And they'll use that to incentivize you to do more. So they'll give you free movie tickets. They'll give you rebates on your health insurance. They will, um, you know. So, so they're telling you, like, you know, you're now, because of your lifestyle choices, you're at this risk. Correct. So your premiums are going to go up. Correct. So let me get this right. Where you're going with this is that if you've got a tether device or multiple of devices mm. in your property, mm. your insurance premiums are going to go down because mm. it's giving you the data that you need to rectify the property, meaning that there's less risk. Yeah, and you're not living in an unhealthy home, right? So so the other thing, and it's not just about insurance premiums going down, it's about reward programmed. Yeah. So it's things like, you know, giving you a holiday, for example. Like, you know, Discovery has different, Discovery and Vitality have different tiers. You can be a silver Vitality, a gold or a platinum. And the higher you are, the more benefits you get. You get discounts on, on flights and travel. You get discounts on gym memberships. Yeah. And, the, and the healthier you live, the lower risk profile you become, and you get almost a customized relationship with your yeah. insurance partner. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the fact is that the highest percentage of, of money that will ever been spent on specifically medical insurance will be done towards the last few weeks of your life, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And they have, they have the complex actuar- actu- uh, actuarial um, equations to work out what that cost is and when that will happen. With all this data, live data coming through, they can make much better decisions on when that part will be, and they can start to allocate the funds differently. It's just about it's just about risk and risk and reward, right? Yeah. I gave an example of the telematics device within your car, so you can. There's some insurance companies overseas that are allowing you to attach a 
telemetry device to your car and they will only insure you when you're driving it because they know when you're driving it they will your premiums will go down if you only drive within a certain area right, if right. you stay if you stay within the speed limit your premiums will continue to go down so it's it's fascinating it's incentivizing it? people who don't take large amounts of risk so what i get from this is like if you've got the data you've, you've really you've, you've got the power you've, you, you yeah the yeah. data is power it always has been yeah you know and and, and, and <coughs> housing is the one thing that we haven't really measured it's all, untapped it's completely untapped and it's completely untapped because there's been no way to scale it efficiently that has been cost effective and that doesn't have reliance on certain things i mean it's ludicrous though isn't it Brandon? because mm. it's i mean everyone lives in a house everyone lives in a house you're spending most of your time in a house Absolutely. and yet it's the one thing that we're not monitoring yeah. on, on a performance yeah and houses i mean the uh, the statistic is drives me nuts sometimes six billion dollars a year yeah. is spent on re re respiratory type diseases in New Zealand alone six billion and 1,200 winter deaths yeah. every single year yeah, no, that, right? that, that's one of the things that got me about the whole meth industry and mm. the, the money that we were throwing at that mm. and I've been saying all along well mold is a bigger killer absolutely you know, and and why, aren't we, why aren't we trying to, you know, let's fix mold before we start looking about something that we don't even know if there's any health implications mm -hmm. of. Because it's been too hard. Yeah. That's the reason. That's the reason. And yeah. And the political will as well. I mean, mm. one thing I will say about this government is that they have, you know, they want to make things better. Mm. You know, it, it's, yes, there's more cost. Yes, it's driven up rents. Um, I mean, mum and dad landlords who are listening to this type of stuff, is it mm. too much for them, do you think? Do you think, are we going to see a change in... Um, renting and with you know bigger landlords and less mum and dad landlords. What do you think the future holds for, I for, think for that, housing? I think the relationship with housing is going to be quite different. I think you're going to see different ways to purchase property coming out. I think it's not just going to be you know needing to have a two hundred thousand dollar deposit to put down into a house. I think that the market can't continue in that way. There's just too many people locked out of the housing yeah, market. Yeah. So, you know, you know, rent to buy schemes, I think are gonna start coming out. You're gonna get more intelligent data where you can, valuation models are gonna become far more um, robust. Yeah. You know, the thing is technology, how it works is you always get your your first cabs of the rank, your, your early adopters, right? They build up on the stuff, try to find value, build business like Tether, trying, yeah, to, yeah, trying yeah, to find value out of it. And you always get your laggards who, they won't change until they have to, yeah. right? Until something happens. And, and and there's a lot of, I have to say this, there's a lot of landlords who are like that. You yeah. know, baby boomer landlords have done it themselves for years and years and years and years. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're being told, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, yeah. I've got to do it. They, they can't stand it. Yeah. And all of them are just selling it. Yeah. I've this, I've had enough. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the idea is, what I think is, is buildings are becoming intelligent now, right? I mean, they they are becoming their own entity. I, I use this analogy around a mo like being like a motor vehicle. It should be like a motor yeah, vehicle yeah. where it has a warrant of fitness attached to it. It's licensed. Warrant of fitness, yeah. yeah it, it's fit for purpose, all that stuff. And and you as a um, as an owner of a motor vehicle, you can you know drive it, take it into a garage, you can make sure it's fixed. But if it's put into a rental scheme. So if you have a, a rental vehicle and you have to rent it out, you need to make sure that that rental vehicle is up, you know, kept up and is serviced and, and all, the, all the bells and whistles are on and providing that's the car that it wants and then someone comes and rents that vehicle from you you mm. need to make sure that it's that they can drive the car yeah. to start with and they've got you know everything all the checks and balances check out but they, they look after that car and then they bring it back you, they give you money you lend them the car and then they bring it back and it's fine you know Unbelievable. Well, we're winding up now, so we've, uh, you know, it, it, it's been great having you in, uh, Brendan. And I mean, you know, you've talked about 
the, the benefits around all types of things, the mm. benefits of preventative maintenance, mm. the savings on, on maintenance, the mm. savings on insurance. Mm. I mean, this thing, I mean, it's gonna cost an arm and a leg, isn't it, to, to install these devices? I mean, no, I mean, we're constantly getting the price down, but um, it depends on the tenure. So yeah. for us, we have to cover the device cost, but for three, if you had your device in a house for three years, it'd be 10 bucks a month. Ten dollars a month. Ten dollars a month at this price, at this time. So, and we're trying to bring it down even so more. So three hundred and sixty dollars for yeah three years. Pretty much, yeah. It's nothing. It's nothing, yeah. I mean, <laughs> with an insurance companies, if the premiums, it's probably got to save you money to have one installed. It's it's because your premiums will drop. Yeah, you've got to spend less money on maintenance. Yeah, and. Um, the tenants are going to have a feel-good factor about it as well because it's like we've got this device in here. That's one thing. Is there any privacy breaches? Do you need to, you know, can you just get it installed and say to the tenants, look, we're getting this up there. You know, you've got nothing you can do about if, it. If there's tenants already in the house and you do need their permission, yeah. Um, if the house is empty, you can put as part of the, the, the contract. Yeah. But the idea is to, you know, I must stress this, the occupants want to have this yeah, in yeah. the house, right? Because this is about them feeling like they have control over the environmental quality. Because you're it's working, a, you're working with Housing New Zealand. Working with Housing New Zealand, working with Tamaki Regeneration, Ministry of Education, yeah. a whole bunch of other government entities and private yeah. as well. So, you know, for us, it's so important to make sure that that privacy piece is kept in place, but that it's about the positivity around healthy homes. Mm. You're right. You know, there's, it's... We don't, for us as a business, we're very, very wary about giving the bad players ammunition to try and make bad decisions, mm. right? It's about the, the way we're going to win this war is ensuring that the landlords have fit for purpose buildings and us being able to provide data to prove that those buildings are fit for purpose, but equally that the occupants are educated that they know how to run a home successfully. Because that's a big problem. Mm. People don't know how to run homes. No. And, and it's not their fault. It's just they've never been taught. And the way that you can do that is through data. It's, yeah, it's through yeah, data. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is benefits property managers as mm. well because mm. they've got better ways of educating tenants, landlords, whatever. And long term, it, it's going to benefit New Zealand. So, you know, if, if they want to get hold of you, if they want to get hold of Tether, yeah. I mean, I suspect you're going to get busy very, very quickly. We are already. You know, you can service the demand. You can't yeah. you can service yeah, I mean, the our, demand. Our, our, um, we're made, devices completely designed and made by us here in New Zealand on the North Shore. So it's a New Zealand made device? New Zealand made device here on the North Shore. And um, our, our manufacturer can do about 10,000 units a month. Right. Yeah, so we could definitely handle the scale. I mean, you know, if, if we had a million devices, there'd be a problem yeah. to start with. Yeah. But, um, you know, 10,000 devices a month is a, is a fair whack. Yeah. Is a fair whack, yeah. So if you need to get all the what do you do? Just go on your website? Go on the website, tether.co.nz, or my email address is brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, at tether.co.nz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. So, um, well, that's it from, from me. That's it from David Faulkner at the uh, Real IQ Property Management Podcast. Uh, Brandon, it's been absolutely fantastic having you to come in and, and to talk to us today. It's been brilliant. We've got to keep a close eye on on how you progress. You, you know, you've got a business which has got a real sense of purpose. Cheers. We wish you all the best. It's got to benefit all of New Zealand, uh, both tenants, landlords, property managers. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, mate. Pleasure's all mine. All right, yeah, good on you. Cheers. It.